Boston College improves to 4-0 with a dramatic win over the Missouri Tigers. All of that and more on today's Locked On Boston College. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Boston College. I am your host, AJ Black. Welcome, everyone. Thank you all for making Locked On Boston College the first thing you listen to every morning to hear about your Boston College sports. Today, I am so excited. We get to talk about Boston College improving to 4-0 with their first win against an SEC opponent since 2001 when they they defeated the... Missouri Tigers on Saturday, 41-34 in an explosive, fun overtime victory in Chestnut Hill. Now, if you didn't catch the game, I'll kind of give you a quick lowdown. In a moment, we're going to have on Mitch Wolf. We'll talk about the offense. We'll talk about the defense. But this was a game that looked bad to start off. Boston College came out of the gates and looked terrible. They let up a touchdown right off the bat to the Tigers. Then Dennis Grossell, his first down, he has the ball, throws a bad interception into triple coverage. But credit to Jeff Halfley and his team, they kept together. They did not falter. And Boston College found their life. And how did they find it? On the ground. Pat Garro ran for 175 yards and two touchdowns and decimated Missouri's front line with great running. And that credit also needs to go to the offensive line who had a breakout game against the Missouri Tigers. So this game went back and forth. The Missouri, they start off Hot. They they get things going. And then Boston College, they answer back. They start to have drives where they're controlling the clock. They, as we'll talk about later, they have the ball for 13 and a half minutes in the third quarter. In the third quarter, they just completely dominated and took a 10-point lead into the fourth quarter. But credit to Mizzou. Mizzou's quarterback, Connor Baslick, he was able to really kind of move the ball when he wanted to against BC's defense. Now, he made two big errors. One was an interception by Josh DeBerry. The other one we'll get to in a moment. But, you know, they're moving the ball. They're able to get things going. They tie it up against BC and take the lead. Boston College gets the ball back with a couple minutes left, and they drive the ball right down Missouri's throat again. And it ends with a touchdown run by Travis Levy. Again, another unsung player making a big play for the Boston College Eagles. It looks like Boston College has this game in hand. Levy scores with 25 seconds left. It looks like it's over. Boston College kicks it off. Missouri, however, they take what they're given. And we'll talk about this with Mitch in a moment. They're able to move the ball downfield a bit. And Boston College's defense holds them to a 58-yard field goal attempt. Which they hit, which was incredible. With no time left, Missouri takes the tie to head it to overtime. And just like the pit game last year, you got this feeling, and I mean, it's probably just being a BC person, where you're feeling like, oh my gosh, they're going to lo- lose this. And again, Pitt, they beat, you know, they make that stop. And against Missouri, they do the same thing. But credits Jeff Halfley and his team again, because in overtime, Boston College takes the ball first. They score a touchdown on Zay with a great pass from Dennis Grossell to Zay Flowers. And then 
Boston College on the next play, Bazelik makes a terrible pass that's intercepted by Brandon Sebastian in the end zone. Boston College wins. They improve to 4-0. and Only the fourth time, Jason Baum just tweeted out, since 1980 that they started the season 4-0. and What a win. Boston College does not normally get big wins against Power 5 opponents outside of the conference. We're used to games like the Kansas game, like some of these other games like you know Northwestern where they lose these big moments, this doesn't happen. They beat an SEC school. They go out there, they play against a team that's equally matched, and Jeff Halfley does what he needs to do to earn the win. Boston College fans go ballistic after this game. They're all over the place. They, you know, they're storming the field. We'll talk about that on Tuesday. But they're they're so happy and elated because this is one of those wins that you can build a program around. And I know it's only Missouri, but you have to look at the context of where this program has gone. From all the frustrating losses from Steve Adazio, from being completely inept under Frank Spaziani, it's been a tough last 15 years for BC. And now they can turn the page and show, hey, we can play against anyone. We saw pieces of it last year, but this was the first time I thought, wow, this team can handle anything. They can go out there with their backup quarterback. They believe each other. It was a humongous win for the Boston College program. They're 4-0, and they get Clemson next, and Clemson is sputtering. We saw Clemson. They just lost to NC State. Could they lose again at Death Valley? There's a lot of things that are going on with that program. We'll have to get into it later, but Boston College must feel good. They're a 4-0 team. They're in good shape. They have found their identity. They have found their, you know, their brotherhood of players right now that are playing at a nice level. They're not perfect. They make their mistakes, but they move past them. They work together and they get those victories. This was an incredible win for Boston College. And for you fans out there, this is one of those moments that you tip your hat. You feel good wearing your maroon and gold all week. And I think this is a fun, fun moment for the program. Now, in a moment, we're going to have Mitch Wolf in, and he's going to talk to us about the offense. But you're going to want to hear about that. But if you like this podcast, you also need to check out Locked on ACC, where we'll have lots of talk about Boston College and Clemson this week. I'm going to give my power rankings. If you want to hear it, it has the great Candace Cooper as the host, and she's joined by Locked on ACC hosts from around the network. You want to check that out. But before we get into our next segment, I want to tell you a little bit about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. They offer more college football props than anyone in the world and offers all the star players of the Power Five, as well as mid-major players you may not have heard of. All of you users out there, if you use promo code Locked On, you're going to get a 100% deposit match up to $100 when you make your first deposit at Prize Picks. You just pick two to five players, as well as over-unders on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Prize Picks allows mixed sports entries, so you could take LeBron and, you know, um, a uh, pick for Tom Brady in the same entry. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store on Apple or Google Play, and they can make you, you can make your selections in under 60 seconds. Just head, don't hesitate. Check out PrizePicks.com and use promo code Locked On to go or go to your App Store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. This is Locked On Boston College. AJ Black here. We are talking about the Mizzou game against Boston College. Game Boston College won 41-34 in overtime. With me, I have Mitch Wolf. Mitch was covering the show, uh, the games, yeah, show game for me uh, on Saturday for BC Bulletin. Mitch, how's it going? 
you know, I think my heart has kind of finally returned to a normal resting level after Saturday. Cause uh, you know, on top of a very exciting game, you know, having to tweet out a ton of stuff and write articles at the same time, I did not expect it to be as um, heart palpitating as it, as it was. I know. And I, I said it on Twitter this morning, like, you know, covering Boston college and trying to stay at neutral as possible is hard at times yeah. <laughs> as yeah. a beast, as everyone knows, I'm a BC grad. I was a BC season ticket holder for years. And you know, some of those games where you just want to like the fan wants to come out of you yesterday's game or Saturday's game, excuse me, was one of those moments. It just was incredible from moment to, mo- you know, from the beginning to the end. Um, how did you stay? How, how did you handle that? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I I honestly went into the game kind of expecting a loss. So, you know, as the game kind of battled back and forth, I'm like, okay, this is fine. This is fine. And, uh, you know, I mean, honestly, I think the fact that I was, you know, tweeting and writing stuff that kind of helped almost take my mind off it in a way. And that like, I couldn't kind of just ride the roller coaster of the emotion fully as a fan. I was like, okay, I got to do, I got to type stuff. I got to write, I got to tweet. I got to do all this instead of just being like, Oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So let's, you know, when, when Mitch comes on, we usually talk about big moments of the game. We talk about the offense, we talk about the defense. So let's, let's kick it off with the offense. And I thought the offense was incredible. And there was a few things that I thought specifically, like this was, you look at the game plan of what you needed to do ahead of time. And many people saw that Missouri struggled against the run. And so what did BC do? They slammed the ball down their throat. Um, and they did it in a way I thought was very different than Steve Adazio. Steve Adazio's run heavy defense uh, offenses it mixed in the tempo with it, which made no sense to me ever. Um, while BC let yesterday just had these long drives that just uh, exerted their will and took time off the clock, kept their defense fresh. Give me some of your thoughts on the offense. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I thought that was a very sound strategy. You know, like you said, you know, Daz would run that. And I think there was some merit to the idea of it, but in, in theory, but in execution, it doesn't work as well. But I mean, BC possessed the ball for 13 minutes and 42 seconds of the third quarter, which was incredible. I think also Missouri's, you know, interception helped that. But yeah, I mean, the this was the run game performance and offensive line run blocking performance we've been talking about for weeks. Like this was the one where they, absolutely dominated at the point of attack. They were clearing out multiple holes, you know, getting guys to the second level and giving Pat Garwo, especially, you know, your, your, your crow eating tour continues in another week. Um, <laughs> but, and even like Alex Singfield busted out some nice runs, Levy. And this was the big thing is that they were able to surge forward and push for a, get a big push on plays where they really just needed a few yards, like the Levy touchdown, a few other third and shorts that weren't even the sneak plays, like other plays where they ran real run plays and they got the yards they needed. And that's what we've, as, as fans, have really been waiting for, to see that offensive line just line up, beat their opponents, push them backwards, and get the yards that the BC offense desperately needed. And they got some uh, love today from uh, Pro Football Focus, who named Your Zion. favorite. Yeah, another. I mean, we're going over all my, uh, my, my stuff. <laughs> Pro Football Focus, they had Zion Johnson and uh, Christian Mahogany. As yeah, Mahogany's the- grades were off the charts. Like, I've, I don't, I can't remember a single like offensive lineman game who has had grades that good across the board, like 85.3 overall, 87 pass block, 85.5 run block. That's really incredible. Yeah. So great. So kudos to that offensive line. And as I tweeted out, cause I did watch, I, ha- I had a family event. That's why I wasn't covering the game uh, that I couldn't get out of. 
And I watched a good chunk of it. And I said, I tweeted out and I, I think Christian Mahogany retweeted, <laughs> which was <laughs> this, this game is silencing all the haters on BC's offensive line. Because I felt like there were, you know, and it was, I don't think it was unfair criticism, but people were really expecting that offensive line for, for the first three games to play like they did on Saturday. That's yeah. that, you know, that was exactly what people had been expecting. Yeah. I wouldn't even call it. It's, it's, it's hard to call it hating. I get why they would say that, but it's just because we have such high expectations, you know, even in the post Dazi era where the offensive line was always so good, you know, you just want to keep that continuing where it's not something you have to worry or talk about. And even like, obviously run blocking, they were incredible. I think they had like 275 yards on the ground overall, but I also thought they were really good in pass protection. That's something that they've been good at for the whole year. But, you know, the times where Dennis Grossell got pressured or got sacked, I felt most of those were because he just held on to the ball too long. Um, but other than that, I thought they did a really good job keeping him clean and giving him the opportunity to get outside the pocket and then scramble for yards when he really needed it. And spe- let's talk about Grossell because he he was another guy, right? Yeah. And I thought that was a very typical, like not typical, but that was the quintessential. Yeah, yeah that's a good word for it. The endemic uh, Dennis Grossell game. <laughs> Right. So he starts off the game with a awful interception, just like he did against Temple. I think it was the first yeah. drive of the game. Of that Second game. drive for Second. the first like full drive against Temple because he had the short field. Right, right, right. So he's, he throws another bad interception into double or triple coverage, but then he settles down. Now, he's not perfect because there were at least two or three other passes that probably mm-hmm. should have been intercepted uh, that were bad passes. But in the very Dennis Grossell fashion, he still makes the plays and he hit Zay flowers for that touchdown pass. I want to know your thoughts. You got to watch this game and, and really kind of analyze it, Mitch. What did you think of Grossell and kind of what should we be expecting from him moving forward? I think the funniest thing was after the interception, just watching DC Twitter, just light a flame. And they were just like, what is he doing? Because it was like one of the dumbest quarterback decisions I've seen in a long time, just throwing a deep ball into triple coverage for a guy who's not known for throwing a deep ball, you know, but like, like you said, like he really came back from it. It's funny that PFF only listed him as having two turnover worthy plays against Missouri. I know there was the slant where he hit the Missouri defender, like right in the numbers. There was at least two more that weren't great. So, you know, that's at least they're being generous, but yeah, I mean, if Grossell can still, I mean, I, I thought he did do a good job of playing faster, you know, taking what the defense gave him instead of trying to force passes, you know, he still had some inaccurate throws. He did have some, there were some drops. He's, he's got a three drops listed here. Um, so if you, would, so his regular completion percentage is 62.1, but if you adjust it based on those drops it's 80 and like throwaways, it's like 80.8. So he's completing a good number of passes in a smart way. I think if he can play like he did after that interception, playing smart, getting the ball out quickly to guys like Zay flowers, like Jalen Gill and allowing them and CJ Lewis, CJ Lewis had a great game, yep. allowing them to pick up the yards after the catch. That's the key. Like Dennis Grossell doesn't need to fling it down the field and get all these air yards. You've got some great wide receivers. They can do the work for you after the catch. And I thought, I forget who, who on Twitter, and I, I want to give credit to whoever it was, but they said the Zay flowers catch was the perfect example of um, what this offense should be, which is you clear out a bunch of guys to get a guy open and then let Grossell hit him. Cause he's a systems quarterback. He's going to be able to find that guy and he won't miss him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was important. And you you mentioned BC Twitter blowing up and I had to laugh because after that first drive, I got a DM like immediately. Someone was like, we need to put Dalen Menard in right now. I'm like, <laughs> guys breathe. <laughs> I'm like, he's going to be okay. This, you know, he's, as, as we've said before, he's not Phil Dracovic. Listen, you, you know what they say when you 
have a chance to put in a backup that's never taken a collegiate snap and he's probably not taking many reps with the ones you have to do it that guy knew it he understands right (laughs) (laughs) i love college football twitter because if you just if you don't take it seriously as someone who covers it Mm -hmm. it's hilariously over the top it's like it's better than professional wrestling watching some of these people just like completely lose their crap my favorite word now and i have my our discord channel for our premium members and it comes out all the time. doesn't matter if BC's up by 50, if they're losing, it's pathetic. It comes out all the time about BC football. And I'm like, guys, relax. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, we, have our, we have our segment of patheticness, which is uh, the UMass-UConn segment, which we might right. not get into this week, but still, that's right. pathetic. So, <laughs> the offense, all around, great game. That's our, I think that is a, a, a tip of the hat to Frank Signetti Jr., who put together a game plan to win. Um, now, moving ahead, Clemson. They're, you know, they're much better defense as much as they've struggled. Their defense is still really good, mm-hmm. but injuries have hit them. So we'll have to see how Signetti sets this game plan moving forward. I think it'll probably be similar to what we saw this week, you know, kind of continuing with that power run, but maybe he had some new wrinkles to try to catch uh, the Tigers off guard. Now uh, we're going to go in a moment. We're going to talk about the defense. We're going to talk about a te- a defense that at points were maddeningly ineffective, but at the right times made some plays. But before we do that, guys, there are a few things in life that aren't fun to talk about. One of them is excessive sweating. You know, when you're sweating through your shirts for no reasons, it's embarrassing, right? Some of you may know that I personally have dealt with this when I speak in public. I can't help but sweat through my shirt. Now, listen, I know this isn't life and death, and there are much worse problems in the world, but let's be honest, in the moment, it feels like a big deal. It's gross. Nobody likes to pit out during an important speech, interview, or God forbid if you're on a first date. I'd rather much not worry about it. That's why I use Sweatblock antiperspirant wipes. Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than most anti-clinical antiperspirants. Excuse me. You simply apply it at night before bedtime and go to bed. The next morning, wake up, wash, and go about your day without worrying about sweat. Guaranteed. I know this sounds too good to be true, but I literally only have to use Sweatblock once or twice a week, and it keeps me dry the whole time. No more pitting out. No more picking my shirts based on which one will hide the sweat better. If you or someone you know is dealing with sweat, you have to check out Sweatblock. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code locked on or at Amazon or CVS. Now, let's talk about Bilt Bar. If you know me, you know I love Bilt Bar, and they have right now a limited time flavor that you have to check out. It is my absolute favorite. It's cookie dough chunk. If you like Bilt Bars, these are the best. It's 100% covered in chocolate and has chunks of actual cookie dough in it. And the best part, it's good for you. I know you're talking cookie dough chunks. How is it good for you? 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs. You're not going to beat that. And if you don't want to try the cookie dough, cookie dough chunk, try some of their nine other delicious flavors, including coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, or whatever other flavors they have up on the site right now. And if you don't know which one you want to try, get the mixed box. You'll get to try two of, the, two of each of the nine original flavors. And now if you go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. This is Locked On Boston College. This is AJ Black. I'm with Mitch Wolf. If you are listening for the first time to Locked On Boston College, thank you for listening. We are a daily Boston College podcast. We're talking about Mizzou today. We're going to be talking about Clemson later this week. We have guests. We are excited to talk about BC Sports. And if you are, this is the place to be. Now, we talked about the offense in the second segment. The third segment, we're going to talk about defense. The defense, you know, had its ups and downs. It held... Uh, Mizzou to uh, under 90 yards of rushing, 
but at times Connor Bazelik made some really big plays. Mitch, give me your overview of this defense. Yeah. So when I previewed this game, I knew that Tyler Beatty, the Missouri running back was the guy that BC defense needed to stop. And they did a pretty decent job of limiting him. I wouldn't say they completely stopped him. Obviously he got two touchdowns, both of which were, you know, down in the low red zone. Um, but he ne- there were not really times where he like had big chunk runs was or was consistently breaking them off. But Connor Bay like had a very great, very good game. I'm going to give him all the credit in the world. Like BC, the BC defense from what I saw was playing a lot of deep coverage to prevent the big play. Obviously got beat on a flea flicker, but that's a bit of a fluke, but they were not going to allow him to beat the BC defense deep. They were forcing him to take the check downs underneath, which he was very comfortable doing. And that's how they were able to be so effective moving up and down the field. Now, you know, there was the time where Josh DeBerry got the interception where he, I think Bay's like just didn't see him and, Bay, and DeBerry sunk underneath and made that great catch for the interception in the third quarter. Uh, so I thought the BC defense did a decent job. You know, there's, I think the biggest issue was they weren't able to generate a lot of pressure. And I know that they weren't blitzing. They were usually only rushing three or four people, but they just weren't getting home. And at the end of the day, if you're going to run this kind of defense, you do need to be able to get home with four rushers and, you know, the Missouri is a pretty decent offensive line. So maybe they'll be able to take advantage of some weaker offensive lines down the road in the schedule. But that's something that I'm still keeping an eye on is BC needs to find a way to be able to get pressure, ideally with four or find better ways to get pressure with the blitz. So, you know, the Connor Bez, like, you know, he had those plays, but he also made some big uh, errors down, you know, against Josh DeBerry. And of course the, the interception in overtime, I want to step back though. Well, the, the most controversial drive, I think, of this entire game had to be the final Missouri drive with about 25 seconds left. And I, Mitch and I have talked about this already. You know, this is what led to the 58-yard field goal that I, was incredible that Mizzou actually hit it. And what's even more incredible, it's the second time in two years that BC has forced an uh, offense to do this and both kickers hit like 59-yard field goals. Mm-hmm. Um, Mitch... I want your breakdown of that, that last 25 seconds. What did you like? What did you not, what did you not like? And kind of break that down for us. So I thought the way that that drive was handled was good. And I'll, I'll explain why. So the first few plays, they did a good job of forcing Missouri to throw balls into the middle of the field. And even though in college, the clock stops at first down, the clock does continue running. So you're keeping the clock moving in a good direction. Once Missouri got across the 50, BC defense still allowed them to complete that quick out right before they kick the field goal. Now I still, I obviously would prefer that they don't complete that. However, I would prefer a five yard out that sets you up at a 56 yard field goal, as opposed to a 15 or 25 yard out that sets you up with a 30 or 40 yard field goal. College kickers are notoriously inaccurate and not clutch. If you are forcing a kicker to kick a 56 yard field goal, which is his career long by a wide margin, I'm okay with that. You know, your pro is process over results. Your process is good. If you force a college kicker to kick a 56 yard field goal, you know, a hundred times he's missing that at least 50% of the time, probably more like 75. So I'm okay with it. You know, I obviously I'd love for them to get a turnover, but you know, we have all the, the genius Twitter defensive coordinators saying, Oh, prevent defense only prevents you from winning, which you know, in this scenario, it is fine because you are trying to prevent that big play that would end the game. And you were trying to force a very low percentage field goal, which that was, they just ended up making it went to overtime. BC did get away with the win, but I still think it was a good strategy by Jeff Halfley and Tim Lukabu. I absolutely agree with you. And 
for the for the Twitter defensive coordinators out there, think of Mitch already just brought it up, and, and we both already talked about this. They got zero pass uh, rush the entire game, so now you're going to blitz them. You're going to send extra defenders after Baslik, which has not worked at all during this game. That is going to leave their bigger wide receivers open or in favorable matchups. Would you rather them hit, try to hit a 56 yard field goal, or would you rather give up a 40 yard bomb, which Baslick could clearly do over and over again. If you try him, um, I think, I, I think that Halfley did the right thing there. Because- I mean, so I'll, I'll, I'll throw out two BC specific examples to Maury and Terry in 2018 and 2019, where he torched BC deep on late plays. You know, if you're not, those are time. I mean, granted, it was a little different situations, but you know, you want to prevent that game ending touchdown as opposed to a game tying low percentage field goal. Right. Exactly. So I think Jeff Halfley handled that perfectly. I will take that nine times out of every, every time I will take that every time because I, I want to see those low percentage plays. And it's just funny that BC has gotten nipped by it twice now with pits. Yeah. That's that's just crazy. (laughs) But in the end, BC ends up winning them anyways. They won both games. Um, and I think that that is something we're seeing more and more with Jeff Halfley and kind of getting off of the defense for a second now. Mitch, what do you what is your take on Halfley? Like h- how prepared does he seem? Like, because he's to me, that's the most like he's connecting with the players. You heard his press conference. I mean, his, his, his comments, like right after the game, it's hard as a journalist to not like love the guy because he's just like, he seems so genuine and the, and his love of his players and his team seems so real, but his X's and O's seem real too. Like he seems to get every moment. Like those big moments never seem to phase him at all. So there's two, so there's a few things I'll say to that. So one on Twitter, um, I'm I've been seeing a lot of fans at uh, USC and Ohio state that are clamoring for Jeff Halfley as their next head coach and Ohio state, not next defensive coordinator. They want him as their new head coach, which is crazy. Um, But the other thing is right before I got on, I watched the like latest BC hype video from this game where it was like a three minute and like highlight package and Halfley, they interspersed with Halfley doing his speeches. And I quote tweeted it and said, I would kill or die for Jeff Halfley, whichever one he wanted from me. I mean, I think I I mentioned this in my three stars article where he got an honorable mention star because he is excelling in these close game, high leverage situations that Steve Adazio completely flubbed time and time again. You know, you can think of the Wake Forest game in 2015. You can think I, I, there's literally too many examples for me to cite or remember. You just and also the Florida because, State game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Those two examples. I, again, I've tried to block out so many of these games because they were painful. But, you know, he's, you know, if you think about the Texas State game last year, which, you know, BC probably shouldn't have been that close, but they came away with a win. The North Carolina game, they were right there, you know, just a fluky play. North Carolina brings back the two-point conversion, but North Carolina was a great team last year. You know, he has these teams in games last year and they were, you know, they weren't perfect, you know, but this year, you know, you've seen it against Missouri, who's an SEC opponent and they come away because as he's always saying with the guys, like you play for each other, you play every down, you, you know, you lift your teammates up. I just think this guy is an, an excellent head coach in college football. Absolutely. I agree. And I, I, it's why I see people, I'm, I'm actually like flipping through um, yesterday's Twitter stream that you had up together. And I see L incoming, and this one's going to hurt, a vomit, uh, then another vomit um, emoji, same old BC. 
uh, it's just like at one after another. It's like, guys, I know Adazio hurt you and I know Spaziani hurt you, but Jeff Halfley is taking this program to a different direction. He, he has got this buy-in and this, this connection with this program that we have not seen. And you can say Jeff Jagosinski if you want, but clearly he didn't, he is, he's a good minded coach, but he doesn't, I think what Halfley's doing is creating something here. That's going to be long lasting. And um, my thought is like, if you're, if you're watching a game and going, Oh, they're going to blow it. This is pathetic. Blah, blah, blah. Like relax. How many more, like, just think of it this way. You have a coach that you know can win these types of games. You have a coach that you know isn't afraid in these big moments. He's going to do what he needs to do. And whether they're getting behind on a bad Grossell interception, it doesn't matter because he's going to keep that that train going in the right direction. So, you know, just enjoy it. Don't be miserable (laughs) is my thought. Like, you don't know how many more years you have left of Jeff Halfley, and you don't know who's coming after him. So, just enjoy what you have now because games like Mizzou games, like what you saw last year where they won some of those games, like Pitt, um, you know, Texas state, I know it's Texas state, but it's still a fun win. Those are the moments that are going to be big. And I agree with what Halfley said that this is just the start. You're going to start seeing him do this against better and better opponents. You're going to see this happen. I mean, we'll talk about Clemson this week because that, I mean, it's, it's prime. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's a lot of different factors there, but, you know, if, if Halfley's got his team believing Clemson's fluttering all over the place, this is the perfect chance for him. And just enjoy it as is what I'm saying. Just enjoy what's going on here. And so Mitch, we're out of time. You're going to be back tomorrow. We're going to talk about storm in the field because we got some thoughts on that one. So Mitch, where can people find you on Twitter? You can find me at Mitchell T Wolf, W O L F E. Unfortunately, there weren't any tweets from uh, Saturday's action because I was doing them all from the BC bulletin account. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'll be tweeting out my articles from BC bulletin there along with my other football NFL draft coverage. Yeah. If you want like really good analysis, follow Mitch. I'm serious. Like get, get on his Twitter because you need to need to see what he has to say. I'm AJ black. You can follow me on Twitter at AJ black underscore BC. Um, you can follow me on uh, the site at bulletin BC and BC bulletin on um, wherever you find your, your websites on whatever browser you're using. Uh, this is locked on Boston college. You can find us on wherever you get your podcast and follow us on YouTube. Just hit the subscribe button. It's free and it helps us a ton. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you all again soon. Take care, everyone.